0: This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host, Ethan Hamilton. And tonight we are recapping week 16 of the NFL Slate 2021. But first, a few housekeeping notes. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. If you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at DYDownload2020. You can now find every episode of the show on dynasty-download.captivate.fm. And finally, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. Okay, before we get to the recap, uh, we need to take a second to address it has been over a month at this point, since we published our last episode, it is currently December 30th 2021 that we are recording this so uh, a Happy New Year to all but our last episode was 11, uh, excuse me, November 23rd 2021 right before Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving weekend, uh, I came down with a health issue that I've been dealing with since May uh, that unfortunately put me in the hospital for a week, uh, and I've been kind of recovering since. Now, that coordinated with uh, you making a fairly big life move, uh, purchasing a new house, and uh, apparently losing all of your equipment in the process, (laughs) but... Thankfully, we are back again. I am glad to say that at least health-wise, I'm doing all right from what I'm, I'm recovering from at the moment. There are going to be some things that I'm going to need to have corrected, probably some surgical intervention here in the next couple of months, but thankfully kind of come through it. Gives you a little bit of life perspective, of course, but there are some things that I'd like to enjoy about my life and being on this podcast with you. And discussing football and fantasy football is one of those. So for as long as I have left on this earth, this is what I like doing.
1: Yeah, It's, uh, it's good to be back. It's been a minute. Um, let's, let's get right back into doing what we like to do. Let's talk some football.
0: All right. So the week 16 review then, uh, it is the championship week coming up for most players. This was the semifinals last week uh, for a few of us. We'll talk about some of the big games that were, uh, including the Bengals basically winning you your league if you, or at least your matchup, if you had one of, I think, three, four Bengals players that just absolutely went off against the Ravens. But currently, for our dynasty league that's often referenced on this program, we have uh, you making yet another appearance in the finals.
1: Yeah, um, four straight for me um i'm not taking this for granted though i mean it has been a tough year anybody first and foremost anyone that is in a championship hats off to you congratulations it's hard enough especially with covid and everything like that it takes a little bit of luck for sure um what is good though about our league i think um and i don't think i'm stepping out of bounds here by saying the two best teams are in the championship uh we're separated by three points Um, for total points so I think for our league the two best teams are in there.
0: I think you could make a fair argument I wouldn't have been upset with most of the teams that could have gotten in there there were at least three to four teams that could have made a serious run and you barely hung on in the original quarterfinals uh, to a very slim win and for that matter uh, my dad who's won the league four times and I asked him I mean how many is enough for you just one more was his response uh, he lost by only a half point due to yeah. a late uh, Alvin Kamara draw play on like third yeah. and 20. And that's the difference. Yeah. Is why uh, we have a new player in the championship game this week. And you'll forgive me as the commissioner, I feel it necessary is my duty to root for a new champion to the league. So we can kind of spread the wealth on this, this league a little bit.
1: Nah, man, I'm trying to catch Dana. Um,
0: you got I, a little ways to go. One. I know. I need it, though. Especially I because, it. I mean, you want to blow up your team after the season.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think I have a choice, but we're going to take it one week at a time. How's that for coach speak?
0: Fair <laughs> enough. When you're in the championship game, you only have to focus on the thing in front of you. Uh, with that being said, I'm also in a fantasy championship against my mother. Our office Dude. league, she got in in the last week of the regular season, beating one of her good friends and her assistant office manager, and then has rampaged through the playoffs, partly due to Patrick Mahomes coming back to life, but also because Mark Andrews has been on an absolute tear the last few weeks. So, yep,
1: <laughs> That's so awesome.
0: <laughs> so I, I actually asked her whether or not I could throw the game to her because I thought it'd be funny for my mother to li- win the league championship, but I've already won that thing three times. But she really does not want me to throw the game. So currently... I think in that league, I am starting Trey Lance at quarterback. I mean, that's that's saying something.
1: Yeah, we, redraft leagues are redraft leagues are interesting. Like it, it can get really interesting as to see who is on the final week roster for sure.
0: I think of my first seven or eight draft picks. Only like two are in my lineup currently for the championship game. They just made that list, and I'm going to uh, cite it here in a second. But of the uh, major players on championship rosters for redraft and ESPN, I think I only had one of the top 10 on my roster.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at your list right now. Actually, I got it to load up for me. So the most common
0: players on fantasy championship rosters for redraft, and this is via ESPN, Cooper Cup, 48 percent, Mark Andrews, 38 percent, the Cowboys defensive special teams, 37 percent. Alexander Madison, 34%. I think that has to do with the Delvin Cook thing more than anything else and other teams dropping him for the sake of the playoffs. Debo Samuel, 33%. Devontae Adams, 33%. All of these guys had at least decent games, with the exception maybe of uh, Madison, who had an okay game. Jonathan Taylor, I think that's enough explained. Dalton Schultz had a nice game. He was another one that you could pick up. Hunter Renfro and Cordero Patterson, uh, both at 31%. And some of these guys are all guys that you could have picked up during the middle of the season, but realistically you were only drafting Devonte Adams in one of the first two rounds. And outside of that, all of these are guys you could have gotten in the middle rounds or picked up in free agency this year.
1: And yeah, that's typically how it goes. I mean, especially for redraft, like it's um, exactly whoever can play that waiver waiver wire, the best. Uh, and for, for your dad, for example, picking up Cordell Patterson, Good God, that that look, looked like a genius move now so many uh, weeks down the road. But even for me, I, I picked up Dalton Schultz and uh, he has really turned into kind of a diamond in the rough, especially at a very frustrating position. So Hunter Renfro is another one on here that, man, dude's just a gamer. I love watching him run routes. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing.
0: I mean, what are the sportscaster cliches for white wide receivers? I, I feel like I could drop about four or five of them for this list because we have Mark Andrews, Cooper Cup, and Hunter Renfro on this list. It, it is a white guy-centric league all of a sudden. What, what happened? All the black guys went to quarterback, and all the white guys went to wide receiver. <laughs> all right, so big trends, though, coming into this. We're still dealing with some of the effects of COVID I think for the most part, some of the biggest names that we've had issues with, you know, your Dalvin Cooks, your Austin Ecklers, uh, I can't remember everybody that was on it, but Travis Kelsey missed last week's game. Uh, Tyree Kills uh, was only able to come back like a day before last week's game, and he only had, I think, two targets in that game. So for the most part, if you got or survived up to this point, I think you should have your primary guys still available. But that doesn't mean that some key important guys on the offensive or defensive lines for certain teams aren't still going to be affected by this this week. I just think that some of the biggest names don't seem to be out at least up to this point as we're recording on Thursday. Uh, The first games don't kick off till Sunday. It's kind of weird not having a Thursday night football or Saturday football now that we've been uh, in the last couple of weeks basically having football every single night.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I was actually looking at my lineup uh, the other day and I was like, man, there's a lot of, I got a lot of guys that play on Sunday just to look up and see. Oh, OK, that's why. Yeah, it is really weird, especially with it being the championship week. You kind of just want everything to get here. So it'll be a fun day.
0: Yeah, especially because I think in that game that I have against my mother, she has like four players all playing in that Sunday night game, the uh, Packer Viking game. That's supposed to, I think, be a game time temperature of negative two.
1: Yeah, I saw that.
0: Bring on that that. dome team. So, (laughs) Just other big trends for NFL, not for fantasy purposes. Who is the best team to you right now or who looks like the best team?
1: It's a really tough question. The Homer in me wants to say the Packers, but they've kind of their defense has kind of slipped a little bit and they're not really putting teams away like you would like them to do. Um, the chiefs, you can make a great argument for the chiefs. They're looking really, really good. You might be able to make the best argument for them. I mean, the Cowboys are a team that is very up and down, but has a lot of, a lot of talent. And that defense is pretty incredible, but that's also a defense that can't give up a lot of yards. They just have a lot of turnovers. It's really interesting for me. I guess those would be the big three. Um, you notice I didn't say the Buccaneers, I think the injury bug is really kind of catching up with them right now. The Char, no, not the Chargers, the Colts are a team that I think could make a run just because of the way they play football. So those are a couple of the teams that I have, but I don't think there is a clear cut number one this year.
0: Well, given that Mike Evans and I think several of the other Buccaneers players, Leonard Fournette are still set to come back, they're obviously going to be without Chris Godwin. So they're going to have to really rely on Scotty Miller, Antonio Brown and guys like that. I still don't think I would count the Buccaneers out of it given their pedigree. I think right now, if you were playing them in a playoff situation, it might be a little bit difficult, but two, three weeks down the road, I think they'll be kind of in the thick of things. I think it's more dependent on matchups. I agree with you with the Cowboys, especially after the drubbing they put on the Washington football team on Sunday night, but they're just so inconsistent from game to game that you really don't know which team you're going to get. And I think, Sunday was an example of Washington being kind of in a weird scheduling um, position, having played on Tuesday before that, and then having to play on the road on Sunday in kind of a scheduling snafu due to all of the COVID situation, that they're a team that's kind of lost their fight at this point. And I really didn't expect them to put up much in that game, but Dallas really wanted to prove something. And it looked like they came with an extra pizzazz, if you will. So I, I just don't know because the week before Dallas didn't look great in the game against Washington. They almost gave up the lead. So it, it's, it's tough to say with where they're at. Dallas can always look like the best team, but I just don't know. Now, Green Bay's come back down to earth at times in the last few weeks, especially giving up late leads and really having to hang on at the end for a one and two point win over the last two weeks against AFC North teams. And I know those teams are pushing for playoffs positioning right now, or for that matter, could have been for the division title, but you still don't like to see them give up late leads and really have to kind of hang on tough at the end, even against potential playoff opponents. You'd think from the best team in football that they'd be able to close out a little bit more. And maybe this is a learning curve for them in the next two weeks. They'll really put the pedal to the metal. But I I really don't know what I'm getting out of Green Bay at the moment just because they've had so many issues with injuries themselves. I think for me, the healthiest team and the team that looks like it's kind of rebounding, both on offense and defense, is the Chiefs. And I think given the conference that they play in, I don't think there's another true team that I think can win three games, especially if they have to go to Arrowhead Stadium at some point. The one team that looked impressive to me last weekend – but they've been also very inconsistent, but it seems like they've gotten their offensive groove back is the Buffalo bills. I think that Indianapolis can upset a team, but how much do you really want to rely on Carson Wentz to win a couple of road games, even though you have Jonathan Taylor and an above average defense. So for me, I think it's probably Kansas city. And then after that, every team's got some flaw or another, that you could poke holes. in. I think it just depends on who they end up playing when it comes playoff time here in a couple of weeks. All right. Other big trend lines. Uh, There are still four divisions up in the air with two weeks to go. We will be covering more of that next week as things kind of become more clear. The next thing I have on my list here is an unfortunate injury situation. We've had a couple where guys have gone out for the year and will probably be out for most of next season as well. Gris Godwin being one of them, but James Robinson, the guy who we've talked a lot about on this show, tears his Achilles in the early part of that Jets Jaguars game last weekend. And given that you're already going to be having ETN coming off of that foot injury for next year, you don't know who the coach is going to be and what their expectations are going to be. I guess this is kind of a tough question to ask, but is the James Robinson era over?
1: You kind of got to think so. I mean, I still would have been as good of a year as he was having this year. I still would have been trying to trade him knowing that ETN was coming back and just knowing the situation in Jacksonville in general, like trading him to a team that was making a push for the playoffs, I think was honestly your best bet for him. So yeah, I mean, especially with the type of injury that he has an Achilles injury, like It takes, it takes a bit. I mean, in our next question here, we'll be talking about Cam Akers. I think what he did is a little bit superhuman, but that's a, that's a tough injury to come back from. So uh, if I was betting on this one, I would be going, yeah, I think, I think the, we've seen the best of James, James Robinson.
0: Well, I think that we've seen now, and for that matter, uh, Deontay Foreman being one of the biggest examples coming on after the Derrick Henry injury, but it's taken him a couple of years to find his explosiveness again, to get back to anywhere near what he was when he originally popped his for the Texans a few years back. So I don't think it's the complete end of James Robinson's career, but when we're talking about guys who are going to be able to be explosive and make a difference and have the level of volume that he's had over the last two years, I do think that's over. And I would agree with you that ETN is going to cut into that because you don't spend a first round pick on a guy. Now I am a little bit concerned that ETN's foot injury is actually more of a a difficult injury for running backs to come back from than an Achilles, which is weird to say, but I do think that some of it's going to be eaten into over time and really is going to depend on who the coach and the new offense is going to be. So The premier era of James Robinson, I think, is probably over. He still can be a valuable asset. It's just depending on what he's going to be next year, and it's hard to tell right now where that stands. The next thing, obviously, moving from one Achilles injury to the other, we just mentioned it, but Cam Akers is going to be back this weekend and probably will see a few carries here and there, especially with Darrell Henderson Jr. going on the IR to finish the season right now for the Rams. Do you expect much out of Cam Akers this weekend or is this just a matter of them testing his ability for when they're really going to want him next season?
1: I think it's more of a test. I mean, he's going to get a handful of carries here and there, but um, anything over five, I think touches like five to eight would be what you would kind of expect. I think eight is still kind of a lot for someone coming off of that serious of an injury.
0: I would be very curious to see if he ever goes out on a pass pattern because it's one thing to take a carry at running back. It's another thing to run routes and kind of run crisply. I know he's been posting those shuttle drills on his uh, Instagram account, but I'd be very curious to see if they use him kind of in that way, because realistically Sony Michelle is not a great receiving back and he's going to get the majority of the workload as we would expect this weekend But he is not a guy that you're bringing in to be able to get the rock on a third and long and see what he can do with the ball. So I'd like to see Cam Akers kind of out in an open field area and see what he can do coming off of that. If they really think he's ready, I don't see why not test him. But I would agree with you. The carries are probably limited. So then where does uh, Amon Ross St. Brown rank for you as a dynasty player going into next season? He's a guy, I think he's number two over the last four weeks in total wide receiver points right now.
1: Um, He was somebody that I was super intrigued with coming out. Then he kind of, you know, he kind of went missing most of the season. I think he had a big week here or there, like maybe one or something like that. But um, he has really started to catch on as the Detroit Lions. They've never really stopped their fight all year long. Um, So for him, he's most definitely in the mix as somebody that if he is on my roster, I'm kind of excited to see where he goes, but there was a lot, there was, again, a lot of good wide receivers that came out this year as well that are making a pretty decent impact. So for me, he's, he's up there. I don't know if I can throw him in my
0: top five, but I know he's flirting with it. Like top five in wide receivers overall
1: top five in like the rookies right now.
0: Okay. I was going to say that, I mean, for the amount of wide receivers we have, That'd be a uh, considerable list because I think he'd be jumping ahead of probably bigger names that have had uh, much more to do with their career right now. I think he could be on the outside of kind of the wide receiver two, wide receiver three discussion going into next year, because I can't imagine there are going to be too many other wide receivers that are going to come into Detroit, they have so many needs across the board on that team that they're going to have a high draft pick. And I imagine they're going to go probably defense because there's not a great quarterback in the draft. And outside of him and maybe DeAndre Swift and then TJ Hawkinson, I think that's probably their primary pass catchers right now unless they go out and try and sign somebody in what's going to be one of the weirdest free agent markets. I think we're going to have in quite a while due to all of the cap restrictions, everybody's going to go under, but I think comfortably, I would probably rate him in that uh, low end wide receiver two, probably high end wide receiver three range, at least going into next year based on the performances he's had to end the season. Do we have a new tight end? Number one for dynasty.
1: Yep. Mark Andrews is that guy. I mean, um watching him play the Packers was the first complete game that I've watched Mark Andrews and he is something. Uh, he is he is just like Travis Kelsey. He just doesn't play on as polarizing as a team. I think he's just as good as Travis Kelsey. Um, so him as a receiver, him as a route runner, and just with the softest hands that I've ever kind of seen. Um, most definitely, I can say comfortably that he is the new number one tight end in dynasty football.
0: So I found it. I think my argument a couple of years ago was that he was overly touchdown reliant. He had a really big season two years ago when Lamar Jackson won the MVP, but most of his scoring was touchdown dependent. And this year, what you're seeing is is he's kind of getting into that premier level where he's going to be targeted 10 to 12 times a game. And he's going to catch probably eight of those for nearly hundred yards. And if he gets into the end zone, that's a premium, but I think he's becoming a more consistent and well-rounded player that they're going to a lot. The one concern I would have going into next year is the Ravens have had to throw the ball a lot more because of the injuries they've had, particularly at running back, but also to the rest of their line over the course of the year that they've also been down in a lot of games. So does their offense change where they like to be more run centric run heavy, and go back to a system where they're not throwing the ball nearly as much as they have been, that's going to cause a a different issue for Mark Andrews as far as his production. That'd be the one problem I see, but realistically I don't think you can put him outside of your top three going into next year. I think he's firmly cemented himself and even in a redraft setting, I think it would be hard to justify even Travis Kelsey at his age and his kind of down year by his own standards, not by, anything else because I think he's the clear number two as far as points overall this season, but comparatively to where he was last season, I just don't think he's nearly at the same highs. Whereas Mark Andrews is getting, I think, almost 20 points a week at this point in the most critical of weeks. And uh, after Cooper Cup, who is by far, and we should almost give special attention to it, I think there are four wide receiver seasons right now that have averaged more than 20 PPR points per game last year's Devonte Adams season this year's Cooper cup season Jerry Rice in 1995 and Jerry Rice in 1987 when he caught 22 touchdown passes in 12 games which is still just absolutely incredible but after Cooper cup who do you think is the next best dynasty wide receiver going into the next season
1: that's a great, but I guess I'll throw a couple of names at the wall. Um, Jamar Chase comes to mind. Um, T Higgins, I feel like, especially as of lately, you kind of got to throw his name in there. Um, CeeDee Lamb, Jalen Waddell is having a very quietly great year in Miami as well. I was on um, that so one. So those early. are just a couple. There's, the game is filled with, yeah, the game is filled with so many great young wide receivers. I didn't even say Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. So he's most definitely in there too. Yeah, the wide receiver position in the NFL right now is pretty incredible.
0: I think until it dropped off about midseason for Jamar Chase, I would have made the argument that he was the number one dynasty wide receiver even when Cooper Cup was still going off, just due to the relative age and what you could expect out of that Bengals offense if Joe Burrow is healthy and T. Higgins is all going. I – am a little bit worried that they're not going to have to throw the ball nearly as much or be as explosive, but you're kind of seeing a Ram style offense out of Zach Taylor and the Bengals right now that I think is modelable going forward, at least for the next year or two. I think Justin Jefferson for me right now would probably be the number two, just due to the level of volume he's getting out of that Vikings offense. The one concern for me would be as if somehow the Vikings moved on from Kirk cousins after the season, which I think is possible due to his cap, Uh, Hit for next year. Uh, Devontae Adams potentially moving on, I think, and his relative age. I think he's going to be 28, 29, somewhere in that range. I think that moves him down the list. To me, the other one that you could make a really good argument for number two, because he's about the same age, I think, as Cooper Cup, is Debo Samuel, just due to his.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Universality. There's so many good ones, man.
0: (laughs) Oh, I know. But I, I think you just kind of thinking about the top five or so guys. And I think he's a guy that's really come into his own this year. I think that's a guy that clearly could be at worst, probably in the top three. And I think you could really make a case for number two, Uh, especially if they continue to use him at running back the way they have. I
1: remember you, I I call him a gadget guy, I think last year. And you're like, I don't really think he's type of, I still kind of stand by that. He's one of one though. There's only one player in the league that can do what he's doing. And I think some people make the argument of Cordell Patterson. He's not doing it at the level that Debo Samuel is. I think he's the blueprint of how you do it, but Debo Samuel is like the one-of-one gadget type of guy that kind of just makes everything in your offense go. So, yeah, I forgot about Debo, honestly. Um, But, yeah, most definitely he belongs in there.
0: So I'm going to make a weird comp, but I'm going to pull this one out from – kind of uh, the recesses of our mind. Do you remember when Tavon Austin came into the league and everybody was excited about what he could be running jet sweeps and doing all of these random plays and trying to get him out in space to me, Debo Samuel is exactly what we thought Tavon Austin could be. And the way that the 49ers utilize him, I think he is exactly that player right now. I think they find new and creative ways all the time. To me, the only thing that really rocked his season, or at least decreased his fantasy value coming into this year, was a Brandon Auk, which clearly it kind of moved around uh, with his um, unimpressive start, to say the least. Uh, thank you for that, Brandon. Uh, but also uh, the fact that he was hurt last year for the majority of the year. So I think this year he's gotten an opportunity. He stayed healthy. I hope he stays healthy, but. For me, he's a guy that I think could easily stay around that top five because I don't think he's even 25 yet. All right, so let us recap the top tens from this last week. Uh, we got a 50-burger, at least in our league scoring, from Joe Burrow. If you started him in your playoff week, you almost certainly won, uh, except for maybe Roger. Dak Come Prescott, on, man. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just... Jack Prescott, (laughs) Josh Allen, three, Zach Wilson, four. Yeah, not even uh, the Russell Wilson that we would expect in there. No, fucking Zach Wilson. Josh Johnson, the former Arena League quarterback who was signed basically from the practice squad just in order to start because the Ravens didn't have any other quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes, six, Tyler Murray, seven, Davis Mills, eight, a guy apparently you were really high to pick up this week on.
1: I'm just saying, uh, relax, relax, relax. I am saying, all I am saying is that he has quietly put together a very, a very, very good season as a rookie. And if he was one of these bigger name guys that was drafted earlier, we'd be hearing more about him. And what I was saying too, is like, he's not, he's somebody that I would most definitely at the end, especially in dynasty leagues, if he's sitting out there in the waiver wire, I would add him to a team to stash for the coming because no there no quarterback is going back there. Um Deshaun Watson is not going back there, right? So
0: I couldn't imagine Tonad well Taylor to earn, is
1: going there. Yeah, if they earned enough or trust in him to give him the reins for another year, it's something to try out. He's played really good these last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, I thought he's actually been pretty impressive, uh, despite the fact that he's playing with uh I think none yeah. of the same offensive line starters that they had week one. Yeah. So Interesting how they're putting it together right now in Houston. All right, running back, top 10. Number one, Damian Harris with three touchdowns on the day. Number two, Rex fucking Burkhead. Where did that come from? Number three, Justin Jackson. Uh, great pickup if uh, you lost Austin Eckler for the week. Um, Nick Chubb, number four. Joe Mixon, five. Sony Michelle, six. A guy who I had Darrell Henderson all year, and for whatever reason, somebody had cut him about four (laughs) weeks ago, picked him up, and he's been great for my lineup. Chase Edmonds coming back off of his injury, particularly because James Conner was out for the game against the Colts. Rashad Penny coming back to life. Thank God I hung on to him as long as I did. David Montgomery for the Bears, nine, and Ezekiel Elliott, 10.
1: Ezekiel looks healthier. He looks healthier.
0: (laughs) Okay, if you say so. Uh, (laughs) Wide receiver, far and away the number one wide receiver this last weekend. T. Higgins, I think he had 43 points for me in my semifinal matchup against uh, my dad in our office league. Devontae Adams, number two. A.J. Brown, three, coming back off his injury. He looked great. Isaiah McKenzie, I think that's right. Uh, I might be getting the first name wrong, but uh, for the Bills, uh, wide receiver uh, who played the slot particularly because Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley were out for that game. Debo Samuel, five, a guy I told my dad to pick up who he didn't even know going into the week because I thought, okay, if Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are injured, this guy is probably going to get a lot. Byron Pringle, number six. Then we had Amon Ross St. Brown, seven, Jalen Waddle, eight, Cooper Cup, nine, and Tyler Boyd, 10.
1: Pringle is the one that surprised, and McKenzie are both really surprising.
0: They kind of came out of nowhere, but I think I could see the Pringle one coming a lot more than I could McKenzie, especially because I didn't think Josh Allen was going to have a great game against that Patriots uh, pass defense. For tight end, we had Mark Andrews, one, Dalton Schultz, two, Kyle Pitts, three, Gerald Everett, four, John Bates for the Washington football team, five, Jimmy Graham, six, Evan Ingram caught a touchdown again, seven, Zach Ertz, eight, Hayden Hurst, nine, and Foster Moreau, ten. Um, I had no
1: idea who this Foster Moreau person was. I tell, I, my thing is what I like to do each and every week is see which weird people that Dana picks up. And Jen, I wonder, where is he getting this intel from? Because they almost always turn into something decently productive. Like he does sign, he, he gets some of these guys that I've never heard of, inserts them in, and, and he makes it work. Is that you pulling the strings from behind?
0: I have no idea what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> Let's move on.
0: People ask me questions. What do you want? You own stock in that team? No, I do not. <laughs> but people ask me questions. You... I answer questions. I just didn't
1: know if you like got four rings, you know, for just owning some stock in the team. And so
0: Well, from the amount of draft advice I've given him over the years or certain pickups, maybe you could make an argument. But for the most part, like last year with his Selvan Ahmed pickup that cost me the semifinals in the league. Yeah, that was all him. So. All right. The good, the bad and the ugly. uh, My good. The Cincinnati offense. You had Joe Burrow finishes the number one quarterback. Joe Mixon is the number four wide receiver. Tyler Boyd is the number 10 wide receiver on the week. And T Higgins is the number one wide receiver. And Jamar Chase didn't even have that bad of a game. They absolutely pummeled the Ravens. And that was just kind of a fun game on the red zone to watch. So for me, that was my good, especially because I think you ended up winning your matchup. If you had any of these guys in your lineup.
1: For the most part, Uh, my good is going to be the Cowboys offense. It's nice to kind of see them come back to life because we deck you know was in that talk where is he in a slump and there's just way too many valuable fantasy assets on that offense for it not to be rolling in the right direction so uh for that reason that's my good
0: you remember how i said earlier in the year i had these like visions of mike mccarthy coming back to green bay in the playoffs it, it sounds like it's coming to fruition <laughs> uh my bad for the week the la chargers Just about anybody who was left in a survivor pool probably lost on that one uh, against the Texans. And the Texans had, I don't know, how many different guys out with COVID and still found a way with Rex fucking Burkhead to get like 149 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. What the hell is going on with the Chargers? One week they're probably going to take down the Chiefs and probably should have. And the next week they can barely beat one of the teams that's going to be drafting in the top five. I have no idea what to think about this team from one minute to the next. They are my clear bad for the week. Uh,
1: my bad is actually going to be the green Bay Packers. Um, the defense is not really trending in the right direction and they're not really closing out games the way that uh, they should be for a team that's holding on to the number one seed. We know we've seen this movie before that happens to those type of teams that can't close out games in the playoffs. All it takes is one, you know, so I like where the team is at. There's just, there's a lot more that needs to be fixed for the number one seed right now and the whole NFL, right? Yeah. So it, um, they're, they're my bad right now.
0: Yeah. And that's understandable. You're certainly not going to be playing Baker Mayfield every week. Yep. My ugly, the Arizona Cardinals in their free fall, you lost to the lions for only their second win of the year. And even though the first win came on a last second play, the, this one, you got absolutely drubbed. You come home and you beat a Colts team that barely had anybody playing. I think they had one of their regular offensive linemen healthy or off the COVID list for this game. They were missing multiple wide receivers. They were missing their best defensive player. I just don't know what it is going to take for the Arizona Cardinals to be anywhere near what they were the first seven weeks of the year when they were absolutely rampaging through everyone. But right now they just look like a listless team. They're going to lose the division a division they should have ran away with. They had a two game lead plus the tiebreaker on the Rams uh, going into that week seven or week eight game against the Packers. And since then, they're in there, I think three and five. So they're in an absolute free fall right now. I just can't imagine them winning a football game in the playoffs.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I have really no words, you know, for a team that was the last undefeated team right? I think that's correct.
0: That's correct. Their
1: last undefeated team. And just to see the, just the bottom fallout, Kyler doesn't really look a hundred percent healthy. He's my quarterback in dynasty right now. And I have Tayson Hill and I'm honestly trying to decide which quarterback is the right decision against that really, really good Dallas Cowboy defense. He's not really running as much as he used to earlier in the year. And, you know, as somebody that was, starting the year as kind of the lock for the MVP for a couple of weeks. It's, he's just not looking as good. You know, the injuries are starting to pile up for them as well. So yeah, that's a, that's a team that really does look like they're going to miss the playoffs. My ugly is John Madden. This, this, tu- this sucks. Um, speak on him for a quick second. Um The voice, right. Of our childhood. Uh, I remember playing Madden 94. Um getting into huge fights with my brother all the time about the different type of bullshit that would happen I know my oldest sister used to beat me all the time in Madden and all she would do is just drop back with Brett Favre and throw it deep to Donald Driver I could never figure out how to stop, how to stop it but just a lot of memories of of John Madden and for it to just be unexpectedly you know passing away um, that's kind of tough but I guess it's better than like a long drawn-out battle but for sure, the voice of football of of my young childhood. So um, that's my ugly for this week.
0: Well, he called his last game, which was Super Bowl 43, which is that classic Ben Roethlisberger to San Antonio Holmes catch in the back of the end zone. And we really just have not seen him since. We've seen some small clips here or there where he'll give an interview, and he's been a consultant with the league for a number of years, but he just kind of left the scene. And I think it was time at that point, because I think people had started to, I don't know what you can say exactly with him. He'd been around so long that it was starting to be that we had become so smart from John Madden doing football for so long that we knew just as much as he was going to explain. And his approach to not dumbing down the game but being able to explain it effectively now started to become a a problem for the new viewer who was a lot more educated on football. And I think part of that also has to do with the video game. I mean, the whole process, instead of what we had with tech mobile was he wanted to create a game that taught you about football and you could read coverages and you could do different things with your players. And it wasn't just I'm going to run around the the field and play NFL blitz where the only enticing thing is, is that you're going to get these major uh, injuries and bone crushes. And it was going to be physical. Instead, I think more than anything else, and we've seen a a current era of coaches, Matt LaFleur uh, you talk about Sean McVay guys that grew up on Madden, learning the game through that, I think more than anything, and I know it sounds weird and everybody's talked about it this week, but the video game being so influential to this modern era of football, All the guys look up their Madden rating every year. Being a part of the 99 club is this like big celebrated moment anymore. It's such a cultural impact. And basically EA Sports has survived on that and FIFA for 30 years now. So I I just don't think it's understated (laughs) how much – People have come to know the game and become smarter because of John Madden's presence, versus a broadcaster and just relating the game to the average fan. But then also in creating, I think one of the biggest marketing tools for the game of football.
1: Yeah, and like for me, I don't know John Madden as as the coach. You know, I know John right. Madden, the broadcaster, and yeah. in, in the video game and a video game guy um well, and i don't even think you and i right. experienced you know, this is this,
0: years I, as a broadcaster
1: no no most definitely we didn't but for sure like that was an argument that i had with my mom all the time like she'd be like why are you always playing video games and i would always be playing you know madden other sports video games i'd be like well mom it's because like this this and this and because yeah you can read the coverages see what they're in a cover two, run a post, you know, they're in cover three. This is open. This is open like that. Different type of stuff like that. And yeah, I, I, he taught us so much and I don't even think we realized how much we were learning. Um, And I think that just goes to show the brilliance of John Madden and just how much, I guess we appreciated him and what he did for the game of
0: football. Absolutely. So let's go to some something or nothing. We're going to have to do these absolutely rapid fire. We're running way on time at this point. Uh, but these are guys that have had kind of resurgences this year, or came out of nowhere that we have to project into next season, as this is a dynasty featured show. So the first one up I have is Rashad Penny.
1: Uh, something.
0: I think it's something, but only to the point of I don't know what they're going to have with Chris Carson coming back. Chris Carson turned 26, and he's been riddled with injuries all year. He's now out for the season, but I do think I I've been very impressed by what he's been able to do the last few weeks. I'm also concerned with what the quarterback situation is going to be next year, but let's let next year be next year. Rashad Penny looks like he's finally healthy and able to do something. Chase Edmonds and James Conner.
1: I don't know what the contact situation is with James Conner.
0: He is up for free agency at the end of the season.
1: That's what I thought. Um, so for that reason, I'm going to go uh, nothing. I think they need each other. They're a really good two-headed monster.
0: I think it really depends on what happens with the Cliff Kingsbury situation. You posted the thing that said he is such a bad coach in the second half of seasons, particularly in the NFL. I don't want to necessarily equate his college numbers in second halves of seasons where it kind of becomes more of a grind and it's a tougher conference schedule, but the three years with the Cardinals, they are significantly worse down the stretch in each one of those seasons so far. And I don't know if, them kind of dropping off after the first half that they had to start up the season is going to be a reason for any major change with the Cardinals. But if everything kind of remains the same with the coaching staff and Kyler and that wide receiver group, I have to imagine that a running back in this offense is going to be valuable. Chase Edmonds is a good between the twenties guy who's going to get a lot of PPR value, but James Connor, if you get another guy that comes in that can be a power back at the goal line guy, I do think he's going to have value. We already saw Kenyon Drake have value last season. We have James Conner this season, so whoever ends up in that spot I think is something, but I don't know where James Conner is going to be and that's why I agree with you he might be nothing by the time we talk about this next year. Dalton Schultz.
1: Something I think uh, he really starting to see his breakout year this year. I think it continues in the next.
0: I expect the Cowboys to kind of come out in similar heavy packages with a lot of tight ends. And he seems to be the be- uh, most beneficial or the biggest beneficiary of what they've been doing on it structurally on offense this year. I have no reason to b- doubt that he'll be uh, able to do that next season as well. I think it's something. Sony Michelle.
1: Um, I'm going to go with nothing. Uh, I think there's way too many running backs in that backfield.
0: I would agree, but I think he's been, good. And we know that if you get the volume out of the Rams offense, you can be good. It's just a matter of who's going to be the healthiest and the guy that's going to end up doing it. The problem is with the Rams backfield, you may have to draft three guys next year in order to basically have one running back that's usable per week. So I am kind of stuck between those. Michael Carter.
1: Um, I most definitely think that is something I think he kind of has a breakout year next year. If you made a trade for him, Or if you drafted him, hold on to him and stash him because I do think good things are coming.
0: I like the way the offense is starting to trend, and I do think that uh, I would agree with you that next season might be more of a breakout. I don't know if he's going to be a top 10 guy, but PPR value, even half-point PPR value. I think he's an intriguing running back with some explosiveness. I think it is something. Jeff Wilson Jr. and, and or Eli Mitchell.
1: I don't know. Um, The gut in me tells me that it's going to be nothing. Um, I, I can see San Francisco going and grabbing a running back.
0: I can't because it just defies everything we've known about the Shanahan offense for 20 plus years, whether that goes back to his dad or to Kyle. I just don't think that they're going to invest heavily in a top tier running back because they can find the Jeff Wilson juniors, the Eli Mitchells that were sixth round picks, the um, Alfred Morris's of the world uh, throw in. Gosh. I I mean, Raheem Mostert for that matter. So I don't know if they're going to be investing in that. The problem with me has always been, they can never keep one running back healthy for long enough. We've seen this play out year after year after year, and it's always a new guy and trying to predict that is, absolutely foolish so for me this is nothing only from the standpoint of I think both of these guys could be out for that matter we could have Trey Sermon be the guy that's the primary 49ers ball carrier next year who the fuck knows Devin Singletary
1: uh nothing he hasn't really been too much this year not really enough for me to say that he's got a huge year coming
0: I think he's flex valuable going into next year. He's a guy that I wouldn't mind stashing just because of how he's come on late in the end of the year as the Buffalo offense has kind of found its identity. But it really depends to me on what this uh, Buffalo offense is going to be next year. Right now they have a lot of offensive linemen who are pass blocking linemen aren't really great at run blocking. And so they've had a lot of difficult time uh, trying to run the ball or establish the run uh, most of the year. But as they've gone to a more spread concept, a lot more uh, Josh Allen and five uh, out and patterns type of system. I think Devin Singletary has been the beneficiary of most of that kind of action of their offense. If they continue to run that, I think he has a role. I just don't know if I would put him even in the running back two category right now. Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson.
1: Yeah, again, I'm going to go on the nothing boat with these guys. Just with Patriots running backs, it's they're kind of like the 49ers, but more so. So they're uh, not really there for me to keep.
0: I think there's something because I think the Patriots offense does want to run the football, especially with a pocket passer and Mac Jones. It's just nothing for me because I don't know which of these two guys is going to end up being the majority ball carrier or the guy with the large amount of volume going into next year because I think they're possibly 1A, 1B. Cordero Patterson.
1: See, I, I'm, and that's another one for me. I'm going to go with nothing. I kind of think this is a one-year flash, and not a flash in the pan, but the production that he's having and as well as he's doing it, he's kind of tailed off towards – towards the end of this year. Um, you know, he was way more protective at the beginning of the year and I kind of think that moves into, um, next year as well. So I'm going to go with nothing.
0: I think he's 32 at this point already. He's a guy that has had less than 30 yards total rushing over the last three weeks. He's had five yards receiving combined. And I think that was one of his values, um, much earlier in the season, If he hadn't have scored at least one touchdown last week, I don't even think he would have gotten close to his projected outlet. He's been a guy that's been a little bit disappointing down the stretch here. I agree with you. This is probably nothing going into next year. T. Higgins, Jamar Chase.
1: Uh, Both of them are something. Uh, T. Higgins is not that far off of Jamar Chase uh, numbers-wise at this point in the season. So real quick and easy, both of them are something.
0: I think this might end up being the best wide receiver pairing coming into next season. I think this is absolutely something. They're both explosive and the more they're both good and both on the field at the same time, I think the more defenses won't know which guy to double. Uh, Leonard Fournette.
1: Leonard Fournette has seen a resurgence, but I kind of think his value comes with Tom Brady with as much as Tom Brady likes to drop it off to, uh, to the running back. So When Tom Brady says he's coming back, then it'll be something. But until then, I kind of think it's nothing.
0: I think he was in the top five of rushing yards when he left the game um, two weeks ago. And I think he was number two in receiving uh, or total receptions for running backs on the year at the time that he left and got put on IR. So I agree with you. He gets a lot of dump off passes. We both know that Ronald Jones is not a consistent Um, pass catcher out of the backfield. And that's what Tom Brady likes to do. I know they brought in Giovanni Bernard, but he just cannot stay healthy this season. Uh, So it's been pretty much the playoff Lenny show most of the season. I still think that's going to be a thing because I think Tom Brady is going to be back. Leonard Fournette's going to be on a team-friendly deal. And with Chris Godwin potentially being gone from the team next season, I have no idea what this offense is going to be. Leonard Fournette is probably a mainstay. I think he's a guy that's at worst, probably a running back two going into next year. If he's healthy enough, uh, Jalen hurts.
1: Jalen hurts is quietly having one of the better quarterback. Number one years. I think year, um, numbers wise with rushing with the rushing touchdowns and all that. The question is, is he a good real life football player? And he's a great fantasy football player. He's been exceptional. Um, But is it something that the Eagles want to explore? Um, So that's really where we're at. So it's, I feel like this is kind of a trick question. Um, So for fantasy purposes, yeah, absolutely. Something. It just depends on if the Eagles think he's good enough to win a championship.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think that for the most part, he's had great fantasy value this year and Honestly, I think his value has increased the more that they've made him into kind of the Lamar Jackson of two years ago that we're going to have some designed runs for you. We're going to run the ball a lot. We're not going to make you have to throw a ton. And we're going to make the game kind of simple where we're going to be smash mouth and be able to run the football, play decent defense. Now, I'd be curious how they have to kind of evolve the offense eventually and have him throw the football more, but it hasn't been reliant on his arm so much as allowing him to run the football. And since they kind of switched that at about, I think, midway point of the season, they've been a much more effective offense. I think he will be the starter next year and that they're going to try and build a power run game around him that isn't involving Boston Scott or uh, Jordan Howard as good as those guys have been. I still think that they're probably going to get a couple of other guys in there to really help their system. So I think that next year, at least, he'll probably still be in the quarterback one conversation. I just don't think he'll be among the first ones drafted. He may be actually a draft day value for redraft leagues. Kirk Cousins quietly having his best fantasy season ever.
1: Yeah, he has uh, been really, really good and kind of without a wide receiver core that's been completely healthy all year long. You know, Thielen has missed a pretty decent amount of time. Um and he but just Kirk went Cousins on IR like, again. Yeah, but Kirk Cousins, it hasn't really stopped him. So he's looked good. So, yeah, I think it's something I think they, I think he's as good a quarterback as the Vikings have had in a long time. So I don't think they're going to go looking for something new. I, I expect to see him in Minnesota next year.
0: I really don't know what's going to happen with a lot of these teams and their cap situations. I think I could very easily see that if the Vikings end up firing Mike Zimmer, they don't make the playoffs that they could move on from him and really kind of cut bait on a lot of their defensive players that have been the makeup of the Zimmer era, kind of restart the entire team uh, just because they don't want to owe a ton of money. I think he's owed like $30 million next year. So it's not a small amount for a team that's probably got to be in a rebuild situation. But that being said, I don't know what other options they're going to have. If he ends up going somewhere else, I really don't know where he'd end up that he's going to be a a great quarterback, but most likely he'd be at the top of the pile as far as guys that might be available if he somehow gets cut or traded. So could he end up with someplace like the Steelers and actually have a decent year? Maybe. I just don't think he'll ever quite get to this peak again, as far as players uh, or fantasy points goes. Michael Pittman jr.
1: Michael Pittman jr. You kind of haven't heard a lot about him these last couple of weeks. Um, He was really going on a tear earlier on in the season. Um, But that really doesn't make me lose faith. Anybody that's been a loyal listener of the show knows how I feel about Michael Pittman jr. He is a big body wide receiver. Um, I think it's just kind of turned into the Jonathan Taylor show, and I think once you got a guy like that back there, even Michael Pittman Jr. would be like, "Yeah, I mean, don't throw the don't throw the ball to me in the red zone. Give it to this mother, you know, because he's going to get the ball in the end zone for sure. It's all about wins." So, um, Michael Pittman Jr. owners, I think, um, just stay patient. Your time is coming. Um, there are going to be some games where you're going to have duds, though. That's just. It's just the way it is and the type of offense that he's in. But I think good things are coming for Michael Pittman.
0: He's the clear number one in this offense, and he did get volume at certain points. But I agree with you. Because of the presence of Jonathan Taylor and how valuable he's been to how they want to play their games and their game script, he hasn't been as involved in some games as others. I think he was very involved in the Cardinals game where it was kind of back and forth. But that being said, I Don't know what this offense is going to be yet with Carson Wentz's quarterback. I think he's just kind of getting his feet under him. And as long as you have Jonathan Taylor, I expect them to kind of ride him, maybe not quite to the level of Derrick Henry in Tennessee, but kind of similarly that he's going to probably get 25 carries a game or 25, 25 touches. And that's going to be how you have to play offensive football for the most part, because while Carson Wentz can win you a game, and we saw that against Arizona last weekend, I don't think you want to be relying on him to be the only reason that you won the game. So it's going to be kind of an up and down thing with Michael Pittman, even though the talent is there and the opportunity could be there at different points. Kyle Pitts. Kyle
1: Pitts is, um, he's had an underwhelming season for what we thought that he was going to have. But I think he had a very good season for a rookie tight end in the NFL. Kyle, Pitt, Kyle Pitts is going to be something special in this league. Um, it's a patience game right now. Yeah, he kind of underwhelmed and maybe disappointed a little bit this year from what we all thought was going to be just his year because we all thought that he was really the only option in that offense. But Kyle Pitts, uh, just stay tough. Uh, he'll, he'll come around. He's most definitely something. Um, But if anyone in our league is looking to drop Kyle Pitts, um, hit my line. uh, Let me know.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm much more uh, interested than you are and have probably better assets. So uh, (laughs) You
1: most definitely do have better assets than I do.
0: Uh, Yes. Uh, But that being said, I, I do agree with you. It's tough for rookie tight ends to usually break into the league and have great years. And he's actually spent a tight end one for the majority of the season. Uh, He hasn't gotten into the end zone, but this offense has been so up and down and hit and miss. I think that next year, most likely, I would hope that Kelvin Ridley has uh, been able to get the help he needed and figure out whatever issues or demons he's needing to chase uh, in order to get back on the football field. And this offense could be much more explosive. I just don't know who's going to be the quarterback and what their offense is necessarily going to be built around because they were supposed to be a power running team that did not have a great offensive line this year. And Mike Davis had a lot of problems running the football. So did Cordero Patterson over this last half of season. So if they get more out of the running game that they can set up play action, I think Kyle Pitts could have a much bigger second year. And I do expect at some point that he's going to be the top of the tight end class. All right, pick up stash, uh, stream stashes and drops. We'll just give you a quick list of guys that I think you should probably stash at the end of your year roster before you go into the offseason here and rosters lock, and a couple of drop candidates for guys you probably don't need to hold on to. So if you need a spot to stash some of these guys, if they're still available in your league, go ahead and drop these guys. First up for stashes, we have Tua Tagovailoa, Rashad Bateman, Mac Jones, Gabriel Davis, Justin Fields, Rondale Moore, Logan Thomas, Trey Lance, and Cam Akers. All of them are currently under 50% owned in Yahoo leagues. If one of the fantasy managers in your league has dropped one of these guys, these are guys that I think have good opportunity that could have a better off season. If we uh, see some promising things play out over the last either two weeks of the season, or for that matter, during the playoffs, top drop candidates for me, guys that are currently over 50% owned, but probably shouldn't be. These are, uh, Jamal Williams for the Detroit Lions, Chuba Hubbard of the Carolina Panthers, Julio Jones, Ryan Tannehill, Jared Cook, Mike Davis, and Naheem Hines. All right, let's move on to the preview for this next week. We're going to have to really try and run through this one quickly. So I'm actually going to skip most of the questions I already had. We'll try and run quickly through this. Uh, So game of the week, I have the Cardinals at the Cowboys. Cowboys are favored by six. What is your game of the week?
1: Let me fast forward here. Game of the week is Chiefs versus the Bengals. I think that's going to be a shootout.
0: I absolutely will enjoy watching this game. The only reason I went with the Cowboys and the Cardinals is I'm being a selfish Packers fan, and that one has more playoff implications to my team than anything else. But I think Chiefs-Bengals is probably the premier matchup of the league, or excuse me, of the weekend, given how those two teams have performed recently, and even just as far as last weekend. Upset of the week for me. I have actually two that I'll give you. I have the Dolphins plus three and a half at the Titans. If you want to take somebody uh, straight up plus the points, I think that the Dolphins could go into Tennessee and win that game, despite the fact that the Titans uh, actually played pretty well last Thursday. And I also have the Texans at the 49ers. I don't know if they're going to win outright, uh, but with uh, Jimmy G potentially being out for this game and Trey Lance starting, they were pretty frisky last weekend. I think this will be closer than the 12 and a half points that they're currently getting. If you just want kind of a, against the spread pick, that is my other one. What is your upset of the week?
1: Um, The lions are seven point dogs to the Seahawks. I think they go in and win.
0: All right. We don't need to do start sit for you this week. If you are lucky enough to be in your championship game, I think for the most part, you know, Some uh, matchups, or what you've been exploiting, and you're probably going with your studs at this point, but. If you need a couple of other name suggestions of guys you should consider, if you have a hole in your lineup or a random COVID test that comes back on Saturday, here are a couple of guys that we think are underrated studs for the week. These are guys going outside the top 10 of rankings that we think could finish inside the top 10 at quarterback for this weekend. I have Jalen hurts. He just had 30 points against the Washington football team two weeks ago. We know they're going to ground and pound against this team and the Washington football team came again or came off of, They're probably two most embarrassing games of the season back to back. I just don't see much fight in this team. Give me Jalen Hurts against the Washington football team. Who is your quarterback?
1: Um, I'm going Joe Burrow. Don't really know why he's outside the top 10. I think it's going to be a shootout against the Chiefs. So a lot of points.
0: I would like to think so, depending on which version of the Chiefs defense we get. But if this does end up being a shootout, That's a great pick, especially with how he played last weekend. I can't imagine anybody, even though he's ranked outside of the top 10 after what he put up the last week or a couple of weeks, that would not be starting him. Uh, for me at running back, I'm going to go Ronald Jones versus the New York Jets. They are the number one team uh, giving up rushing touchdowns the season, number four in total yards being given up to running backs. He clearly was the bell cow for the most part, even though uh, Kayshawn Vaughn ended up with more yards in that game. I think the carries was like set or three to one in favor of Ronald Jones. I expect him to get a lot more work against the Jets, and it's a great matchup. Uh, who is your running back of the week?
1: Um, Nick Chubb was outside the top 10 uh, against Pittsburgh uh, it makes no sense. So Nick Chubb, if for some reason he's out there and you're thinking about it,
0: <laughs> exploit the matchups. If you can, uh, for me at wide receiver, I'm going to go, I'm on Ross St. Brown right now. The Detroit lions really don't have a lot of talented pass catchers with TJ Hawkinson out for the rest of the season. And Seattle gives up a lot of seam routes that are uh, pretty good for uh, pass catchers in the seams. That's exactly where he's been exploiting matchups lately. I like him against the Seattle Seahawks. Who is your wide receiver of the week?
1: Jalen Waddell against the terrible Tennessee Titans secondary. Um, and I think I look for him to continue the uh, great year that he's been having so far this year.
0: I have Gerald Everett at tight end versus the Detroit Lions defense. They're one of the worst de- or defenses against tight ends in the league. He is currently going, I think, as four or tight end fourteen, and has been producing over the last couple of weeks. Uh, he even had a touchdown in last week's game. And I think finished as number eight for the week last week. So give me him against the Detroit lions. Who is your tight end of the week?
1: The noodles that I'm throwing at the wall this week is going to be Noah fan against the chargers. Uh, let's hope he scores.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Defensive stream of the week. We both have the same one currently yep. owned in only 41% of leagues. Uh, it is the Chicago defense Versus the New York Jets, or excuse me, New York Giants offense that looks absolutely pitiful. Uh, if you exploited the Eagles matchup last week against the Giants, you were in good company. I think that Chicago has a, a pretty decent defense comparatively, and I think they could really exploit the Mike Lennon of it. Uh, so give me, and you for that matter, the Chicago defense versus the Giants. Long yeah, shots I mean, I week. was...
1: I was going to pick a different one, but this one is just way too obvious. Like if it's out there, you got to pick it.
0: And frankly, there weren't a lot of great uh, options that were under 50% owned for whatever reason. I swear everybody owns like two defenses now going into the playoffs, which makes no sense to me. But anyway, long shots of the week. These are guys going outside the top 20 that we think have a, a shot to finish inside the top 10. If you need an absolute long shot. Odell Beckham Jr. versus the Ravens. We saw what T Higgins did last week. And you know that the Ravens are probably going to give Cooper cup, the same Devonte Adams treatment they gave him two weeks ago. I expect that the second and third wide receiver for the Rams are going to have an absolute field day. Uh, so give me Odell Beckham Jr. And for that matter, Van Jefferson this week against the Baltimore Ravens. Who is your first long shot of the week?
1: Uh, I'm going to go with Shad Penny against the Detroit lions. Uh, healthy. And I think the Seahawks, they have to run the ball because the rest of their offense hasn't been very good. So, uh, Rashad Penny, wrist lines.
0: I'm going to go with my second one, also to the same game as I did before. Sony Michelle versus the Baltimore Ravens. He's been really good of late. I don't expect them to uh, really have too many carries from any other guys. He's going to see a high volume against a team that, while they've been really good against running backs lately and rushing defense, I think they're going to have a hard time. Uh, Really stopping this Rams offense that's been dominant against the run or, uh, excuse me, dominating running the football over the last three or four weeks. Who is your second one?
1: I'm going to go MVS first, Minnesota. Packers have been notoriously well against the uh, Minnesota secondary. And I also think MVS is kind of turning a corner as well as a wide receiver. So I'm going to go MVS. All right, we're going to do
0: our final over unders for the regular season. Currently, I am 27 and 27. You are 25 and 25. And Dana is 3 and 2 overall for the entire year. The last time we did an over under was week 11. Uh, 99.5 rushing yards for Dalvin Cook versus Green Bay. We both took the under. He had 86 yards in that game. More rushing yards, Lamar Jackson or David Montgomery. This was so long ago, that was the last time Lamar Jackson missed games before this current time. 10 and points scored by the Jets versus the Miami Dolphins. We both took the under, but they got 17 points in that game. Actually, it was kind of close for a while. Uh, 25 and a half rushing attempts by the Philadelphia Eagles versus the New Orleans Saints. We both took the under. It was 50 rushing attempts total by the, them as a team. It was a completely dumbfounding result. And finally, 699 and a half yards of total offense combined by the Dallas Cowboys and the Kansas City Chiefs. You took the under. I took the over because I wanted it to be fun. Uh, it ended up being only 438 yards combined in what was kind of a defensive struggle. So I pulled a couple of them. I made up the first two, I think by myself, but the rest I think I got from one of our uh, talented, let's say like FanDuel or DraftKings sites that uh, did player props. So uh, let's go through these just quickly. More rushing yards, Josh Allen or Devin Singletary versus the Falcons this weekend.
1: Josh Allen.
0: That's where I'm going to go to, and I think it's just a matter of I really still don't trust Devin Singletary. I still think Josh Allen is the best running back on the team. Mac Jones, 232 and a half passing yards versus the Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: Uh, I'm going to take the under.
0: So am I. I. I just don't really believe that they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. I think they're going to probably run the football more than anything. And the Jacksonville secondary actually hasn't been too bad over the last few weeks. I think they really have to establish themselves on the ground in this game. Give me the under. Kyler Murray, 0.5 interceptions at Dallas.
1: I'll take the over.
0: As will I. Uh, Dallas is too (laughs) talented uh, grabbing interceptions lately. Kyler Murray has not been himself. And I think there's going to be at least one throw that he's going to have to make during the course of the game where he's going to have to force one in. And it's probably going to end up being a Trayvon Diggs pick. Give me the over. All right. So these next two are two players in the same game combined going against each other. So Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins, four and a half combined touchdown passes on Sunday night.
1: I just don't know if Kirk Cousins is going to do his part, but I'll take the over.
0: Part of the reason that I took Kirk Cousins out of my starting lineup is he never performs well in prime time. This will be the Sunday night premium matchup. It's going to be cold as hell. And I don't think that they're going to be throwing the ball all around the yard like they were that first time that they played uh, in Minnesota a few weeks back. So for me, this is the under. Josh Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Taylor, 174.5 combined rushing yards, over or under?
1: See, that's tough. Even if Jonathan Taylor goes for 100 yards, I still need Josh Jacobs to go for 75. I just don't think he does it, so I'm going to take the under.
0: I think a big portion of this will be if Carson Wentz plays, because if he doesn't, I got to think that the Raiders are going to basically bring everybody up into the box for the entire game and basically make him run against nine guys. So for me, I'll probably take the under, because I just don't know if Carson Wentz is going to end up playing or not for right now. And where we're sitting, I just don't know if I necessarily want to bet on uh, Josh Jacobs having well over 100 yards when he hasn't done it for quite a while, I think. All right, that's all we've got for this week. Thank you to all you listeners and Dynasty players out there. Thank you to my co-host for coming back. I do appreciate you all. Uh, We will be back again next week to recap Week 17 and the rest of the season, but until then.
1: Until then, good luck to everybody in their championship matchups this weekend. Don't stress about it too much, but uh, good luck to everyone.
0: I think the biggest stress is if you lose, don't do the what-if game. Just you had fun playing fantasy football you got far it's a game of luck when it comes down to the end so don't beat yourself up one way or the other and don't revel in it too much unless your friends are just dicks (laughs) if you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com also you can now follow us on twitter at dydownload2020 find every episode of the show at dynasty-download.captivate.fm and as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM.